taught the 53rd and we're down to the 54th. I prepared a 55 and 56. We'll see how far it goes in our lesson. But we appreciate your prayers as we begin to, to deal with these psalms. If you look at Psalm 54, verse 1, only seven verses here. Uh, David's uh, prayer in the time of distress, and he said, Save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. Now, David's appeal to the Lord here was for not only salvation, but salvation including protection. And by the way, our salvation does include protection. Those that the Lord has saved, he, takes, he keeps them and he protects them. And he says, according to thy name, or judge me, uh, judge me by thy uh, strength. He says, save me, O God, by thy name. And God's name indicates his attributes. So all the great attributes of a loving God, his love, his grace, his justice, his uh, uh, righteousness, his holiness, all of these things are in view as far as our salvation and our protection is concerned. And he deals with us in the right way. The Bible says in Psalm 34, verse 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Out of them all, not just out of some of them. And so we depend upon God for our salvation and for uh, our protection. And in the same verse, he appeals for justice and judge me by thy strength. David's appeal to the judge for justice. Remember old uh, Abraham says, uh, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Someone's worried about what God's going to do with the heathen, what God's going to do with people that have never heard the gospel, what God's going to do about this person and that person and in every situation. I can guarantee you one thing, he'll do right. And he'll not judge anyone in the wrong way. And if he sends anyone into darkness and despair and eternal judgment, that person will have it coming. And uh, it won't be that uh, God is any respecter of persons, because God is not. And God will respect and consider every situation. We see people that are uh, afflicted from birth and youth and childhood and growing up. And we wonder, someone says, well, have they ever been saved? I don't know whether they've ever been saved or not, but I know they're safe. They don't know anything about, don't come to the realization of the fact that they're a sinner. They're safe in the sight of God. They're just like a child that's never known any different. And so there are certain instances that we don't know how God's going to, to judge, but we know He's going to judge right. And you say, preacher, that makes two plans of salvation, or that's putting uh, uh, mercy and grace where it doesn't belong. I don't think so. You study it out and you'll find that the Bible shows that God will always do right in every situation. Now then, notice verse 2. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. David's best weapon was prayer. And by the way, the best weapon that you and I have is prayer. In the book of 2 Corinthians, let me read it for you. Chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. That's verse 3. And verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. What are the weapons that we have? They're not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. For he says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We don't have carnal weapons. But they're mighty through God 
and uh, not only the weapon of prayer but the weapon of his word and all the weapons that he's given us he says that we have the sword of the spirit which is the word of God so we have mighty weapons but one weapon we can use is prayer and David used that in verse 2 here in our psalm he says hear my prayer O God give ear to the words of my mouth when he says hear my prayer he was wanting God's attention in fact in the next psalm verse 1 he says give ear to my prayer O God give ear to my prayer so he was wanting God's attention and God's ear for his prayer look at verse 3 for strangers are risen up against me and oppressors seek after my soul they have not set God before them David's enemies they were strangers to God and to David notice he says they have not set God before them God was not in all their thoughts they regard uh, have no regard for God no regard for right no regard for uh, justice and he says they have not set God before them a person that sets God before him will change his actions and whatever in his feelings and his uh, his life he'll repent and turn to him but they have no not set God before them verse 4 we find something else David's helper was the Lord he says behold God is mine helper the Lord is with them that uphold my soul who's your helper David's helper was the Lord Hebrews 13 verse 6 says so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper I will not fear what man shall do unto me that's the best best helper you can get look in verse 4 he says behold God is my helper David wanted to point it out behold we, when we say behold look I want you to see who my helper is. Behold, God is mine helper. And he says, the Lord is with them that uphold my soul. So he's a helper of those that also are with God's people to help them and uphold their soul. Verse 5, he shall reward evil unto mine enemies, cut them off in thy truth. He shall reward evil. David was assured that the enemies would be defeated. You know, we can be assured that God will be the God of vengeance that he's promised to be. In the book of Romans chapter, let's see, I believe it's chapter uh, 12 and verse, uh, verse 19. It says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, said the Lord. And David knew that God would take care of his enemies. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. That's verse 5. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Romans 8 verse 31 says, If God be for us, who can be against us? So David knew whose side he was on. He was on God's side. And God was on his side. Verse 6 says, I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. I will freely. David's gratitude was of his own free will. In the Old Testament, they offered all kinds of sacrifices. And some were the free will offerings. The free will offerings were offerings of gratitude. And by the way, we're to offer freely to God. Let me read another passage of Scripture for you in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 says, But I say, this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. We offer freely. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God loveth a cheerful giver. You know, the word cheerful means hilarious. God loves a, a, a giver that is really joyful in doing it. 
And it says, not grudgingly, nor of, uh, or of necessity. David offered free will offerings. He offered in gratitude, in thanksgiving. And by the way, someone said, well, what, what about uh, God's blessing for this kind of giving? It says in verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. He is able to make all grace abound toward you in all things, look, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound unto every good work. By God's grace, He has given you what you need to abound unto every good work. We have no excuses if God is going to give us such grace, abounding grace. David's gratitude to the Lord is also indicated in that verse uh, in a great way when he says, I will freely sacrifice unto thee. because, And then he says, For uh, I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. It's good that I do this. He said, It's good to offer praise to God. Verse uh, 7, For he hath delivered me out of all trouble. David recognized that God had delivered him in times past. And he says, And mine eye has seen his desire upon mine enemies. Mine eye has seen what God would do to those of his enemies. David's testimony of deliverance. It was his testimony that God had delivered him. And that, of course, in this instance, and where he had the oppressors and the strangers were persecuting and risen up against him and oppressors seeking after his soul, that God would still deliver him. If he's delivered you in the times past, do you think he's going to fail to deliver you now and in the future? He was always safe and in God's care. By the way, the Lord has delivered us from our sins by his own salvation. Revelation 1.5 says, Under him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So we have complete, full deliverance from the Lord. I want you to look at Psalm 55, if you will, please. It says, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. David says, Give ear to my prayer. David was in dead earnest about his praying. And notice he says, And hide not thyself from my supplication. The Bible says, Prayer and supplication be made known unto God. David was in dead earnest. The Bible says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Verse 2, he says, Attend unto me and hear me. Notice he says, Give ear. Verse 1. Attend unto me. Verse 2. Hear me. Verse 2. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise. He was so serious about his prayer and earnest about his prayer. The Bible tells us concerning Jesus and Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7. Let me read this for you. Hebrews 5 and verse 7. I want you to notice the earnestness of Christ's prayer. It says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared. And speaking of Christ, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Someone says, well, did he have to be made perfect? It means simply being perfected through his sufferings experimentally. He was always perfect. But when it says, in being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation, it's only talking about he experienced the things that perfected his humanity so that he could well say he is able to succor them that are tempted. That's what it's talking about. Now, Psalm 55 again, verse 3. Notice verse 3. 
Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they have cast iniquity upon me, and in, in wrath they hate me. So he says, because of all these things, this persecution drove David to prayer. Sometimes uh, persecution drives us to prayer. Sometimes we pray more and we pray better and we pray more sincere and we pray more earnest under God's hand of affliction or under persecution from the enemies or under whatever may come than we've ever prayed before. In great tragedies and great losses. And sometimes then we really pray. It doesn't mean that we don't pray ordinarily and daily because we'll see that in this psalm too. Habitually. But on the other hand, when we really have a burden on our heart, we can go to God and He's able to take care of that and answer our prayer. I want you to notice verse 4 and 5. My heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of, of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. This shows us the seriousness of David's prayer. His heart sore pained. Inside of him was just tore up within me. Fearfulness and trembling. This has come upon him. Horror overwhelmed. Means it's covered him just so much as he's covered him. Remember Jesus in Gethsemane. The Bible says he, he, his soul was exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Fear is natural, but it can be overcome as David overcame it. You and I fear many times. The Bible tells us we have a fear because of sin and of death. In the book of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, the Bible speaks of Christ taking on him our flesh and blood without sin. It's as far as much as then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That is, he took flesh, but he had holy blood running in his veins because our bloodline was tainted by Adam and by his sin from the beginning. And that's why Jesus had to be born of Mary, a virgin, and had to not have the blood of man uh, transferred to him through natural uh, generation. And that's why we believe in the virgin birth, because if he was a sinner like you and I, he couldn't save you and I. And so he had holy blood, but he says he took part of the same. He took the fleshly part, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. Now look, and that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So fear is natural, but it can be overcome as David overcame it. You and I need to put more faith, more trust in God, not only while we're living, but at, the, at death's door, and it will remove our fears, even of death. And death is going to come to one and all. You say, oh, preacher, I don't want to think about that. Well, maybe you don't want to think about it. Someday you'll think about it. Maybe you're too young to want to think about it. But young people die as well as old. But the thing about it is, all of us have to face it sooner or later. And if we put our faith and trust in the Lord, He says He's came, He has come to deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And through Christ's death, He wrought the victory over Satan. And the Bible tells us that, Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 15. Let's read verses 6 through 8. It says, And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove. When I say read verses 6 through 8, I'm always referring back to the original text. 
He says, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. David says, If I could just get out of this trouble, this oppression, this pain, this uh, being overwhelmed, uh, these terrors of death are falling upon me, this fearfulness and trembling and being overwhelmed, the horror hath overwhelmed me. He said, If I just had the wings like a dove, for then I would fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and, and remain in the wilderness, Selah. David, David is saying this is a good thought to get away from all of this despair. David's grief almost drove him to despair. And sometimes our grief drives us to despair. Sometimes people's grief drives them to drown their troubles in strong drink or take drugs or whatever to try to say they're out of it. Their despair causes them to do many foolish things. And yet when they get over it, the despair is still there as well as other problems. And that's what happens to many people. We need to face squarely our problems and bring them squarely and straight to the Lord. And we sing a song, Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary. Bring your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. And if we learn to do that, we'd be far better off. Sometimes we let our grief take charge of us and bring us to a state of despair. That's what accounts for most of these attempted suicides that we've been hearing about lately. And we don't know how depressed and how awful it would be to be in a, a state of despair that would drive you to do what some people have done. And yet we know that the answer really is always in the Lord, isn't it? So... And he says, I would hasten my escape. Look at verse 8. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. How many people wouldn't like to get away from the windy storm and the tempest? Almost anyone would like to escape all the problems and troubles and trials of life. And then David takes his problems to the Lord in prayer again in verse 9. He says, Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. And his, his problem was the oppressors and his enemies. For I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go about, about it upon the walls thereof. Mischief also and sorrow are in the midst of it. Look at that. Day and night the, the troubles were there. He says, Wickedness is in the midst thereof. Deceit and guile depart not from her streets. So David could have ex executed the traitors in his kingdom, but he didn't seek to do that. Remember that uh, King Saul, and we had it in our... One of our last psalms, just shortly, I believe in the last lesson, where that one of the men, Doeg, D-O-E-G, some say Doeg, but Doeg, D-O-E-G, to, uh, to slay 85 of the priests and their families. And Saul had 85 of the holy priests, the holy men of God slain. David could have had executions, but he didn't do that. He rather prayed that God would take care of it. He says... Uh, they are after me day and night they go about it and the walls thereof mischief also and sorrow in the midst of it wickedness is in the midst thereof deceit and guile depart not from her streets and I want you to notice the next problem David faces for it was not an enemy that reproached me then I could have borne it you know you know how to handle your enemies sometimes you say well I'm just going to turn them over to God but he says look neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me then would I have hid it from? Uh, then, then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide and mine acquaintance. 
Remember, Jesus spoke of Judas in such a fashion. Remember, he says, Friend, why betrayest thou me? A friend. With a kiss. Why betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? David says, It was thou, a man mine equal, my guide, and mine acquaintance. If you have friends like that, you don't need any enemies, do you? Not any. And so David was deeply uh, hurt. The nature of his grief was the fact, you know, Judas, it says, Judas, one of the twelve. Then says, here comes Judas, one of the twelve. One of those that had gone with him, walked with him. In fact, in verse 14, look, it says, We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. See that 14th verse? We took sweet counsel together and walked into, under the house of God in company. Sometimes we have to know where the enemies come from. In Psalm 41, look at Psalm 41 verse 9. Psalm 41 verse 9 says, Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Jesus quoted part of this. Matthew 26, it is said in Matthew 26, 60. Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted. But how do you handle those that would try to bring trouble? Paul said in Romans 16, verse 16, listen, says, Salute one another with an holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. Then he says this, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. And what? Does any of you, do any of you have that reference looked up? And what? Avoid. He says, mark them and avoid them. If you know for certain that a fellow is a troublemaker, you mark it out. And then the next thing to do is what? Avoid. Avoid them. David had those kind of problems, didn't he? Look back in uh, our psalm now. In verse uh, 15. Verse 15. He says, Let death seize upon them, and let them go down quick into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. Hell here means Sheol or the grave. Don't think that Jehovah's Witnesses are the first ones that ever found this out. There are certain instances in the Bible that that's what it means. And that's exactly what it means here. The grave. Sheol. But he's saying, Let death seize upon them, and let them go down quick into hell, for wickedness is, their, is in their dwellings and among them. The punishment must match the crime. Remember when Korah and all that company rebelled against Moses, and, and, God, and Moses said, If I'm a servant of God, and if these people have, not provo- if these people have provoked God, provoked the Lord, he says, let the earth open up it's open and swallow them up. And the very next verse says, and God, uh, after Moses prayed, the Lord opened up the earth and swallowed up Korah and all of his company. Must have been an earthquake that split the earth open and swallowed them up. If you remember what happened in the days of David, uh, Hithophel, A-H-I-T-H-O-P-H-E-L, and any way you can pronounce a proper name is proper. <laughs> I had a professor tell me that one time. So, and then you have Absalom also. But see, this man was hanged with a rope 
And Absalom was hanged without a rope, both enemies of David. One was hanged with a rope, but someone said, well, I don't have a rope, I can't hang him. Well, let God do the job. The Lord will take care of the enemies. And, and Absalom was David's dear son. He thought so much of him, and yet he was a rebel, nothing but a rebel. Rebelled against God, rebelled against David, did all kinds of, tried to steal the kingdom from his father David. And so as he ran under, his mule ran under the forks of the great oak tree, he was hanged right in the forks of the oak. So, we find that God has a way of balancing the, the books, doesn't he? Judas went out and hanged himself. So the punishment must meet the crime. And there's no virtue in letting your sympathy run with such treacherous criminals. You know, some people say, well, you're hard-hearted. David was hard-hearted. Jesus wouldn't have prayed that way. Jesus said, pray for your enemies. That's true. But there were other, the other times that Jesus went into the temple and he took a scourge. And they used to call them a cat of nine tails with uh, long strips of leather divided and lay it in the end of it, in the end of each uh, strip of, of leather loaded at the end. And he went into the temple and he took a scourge and the Bible says he went in and was angry. But this was holy anger. Righteous indignation. And he drove out. He took that whip. You think he just took the whip and whirled it around like that? It says he drove out those that were the money changers and those that bought and sold doves. The offering for the poor. It should have been available for poor people to offer. And these were money makers and they were taking, they were, they were exchanging money and they were charging people for these sacrifices that should have been available for the poor. And Jesus didn't like it. And he says, you've made my house a den of thieves. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. And you've made it a den of thieves. And by the way, there are more ways than one to make the house of God a den of thieves if we don't do what's right in the things of God and give out the Word of God and, and pray for one another and make it the spiritual house it needs to be. We've robbed people too. And we don't want to be robbers of souls. We do the best we can to give them something instead of take from them. Give them the Word of God that feeds the soul. And I've never found anything that feeds like the Word of God. Notice the next verse says, uh, As for me, never mind all my enemies, David says, As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Look, as for me, have you ever come to the place that you consider what the world does, what the wicked does, what society does, what, what the general public does? But then you come to the place, well, as for me, you know, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can, you can say, well, so-and-so does this way, and the other per person does this way. Never mind what they do. That's their business. But what are you going to do? David says, as for me, I will call upon God. And, he says, and the Lord shall save me. And then he says, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Boy, I love that. Evening and morning and noon. He puts it in the reverse. Some say morning, noon, and evening, or night. Morning, noon, and evening. But evening and morning and noon. He's saying, I'm going to end the day in prayer, and I'm going to be praying all the day long, and I'm going to start it that way too. Will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. The Bible says, Paul says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We need to be more in prayer about everything. We need to be praying all during the day. Evening, morning, and noon. Three times a day, Daniel went to his window, as his habit was, and prayed 
three times a day, morning, noon, and night. And remember when the king's decree went out, and they said, if anyone offers any prayer unto any god save the king, he'll be thrown into a den of lions. And the Bible says that as Daniel went to his window, and his window being opened toward Jerusalem, he knelt and he prayed as he did aforetime. You see, he wasn't trying to make an issue out of it. He just did what he always did. A lot of people say, oh, well, if they said I couldn't pray, I'm going to go and knock the door open, knock the window open, and I'm going to get their attention and say, look, I'm praying. He didn't do that. They did see him, but he went always and did what he was accustomed to doing. Don't let the wicked pressure you into trying to make a show of what you do anyway. You do it for God, and because you have a habit of doing it, some people try to make a, a, a put a pressure on you to be more holy than, than you are. Say, now look, you preacher, you ought to do so-and-so. Never mind what I ought to do. What ought you to do? I consider, I, you know, I ask God what I ought to do all the time. And I try to stay in tune with Him. I try to seek His face and seek His guidance. I'm sure there are many things that I don't succeed in. But it's still my business between me and God, isn't it? And what you do is between you and God. And the thing about it is, every one of us have an individual responsibility. And I just do the best I can. And I'm not trying to set the world on fire or make an impression or make the headlines or anything. The Bible said concerning Jesus, He did not lift up His voice in the streets nor cry out in the streets so as to get the headlines. The Bible said that He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. You and I are to go about doing good and doing the best we can by God's leadership. If there's some preachers that are better than we are, well, they're better than we are. Some people, preachers preach to thousands, let them preach to thousands. Some preach to millions, let them preach to millions. But I'm called to pastor this church. I'm doing the best I can. And if God, with God's help, I'll continue to do the best I can as long as He gives me strength. But uh, we don't need to compare one to another. One preacher to another... If we get to doing this, the first thing you know, we want all of them to be D.L. Moody's or Billy Sundays or somebody, and they're not all D.L. Moody's. They're not all Billy Sundays or Billy Graham's or whatever, you know. Or even good men like John R. Rice and uh, various other the ministers that we've known in the past or some of my professors, Dr. Connolly and Dr. Godsoe and Dr. Oldham, uh, Dr. J. Frank Norris, Louis Insmeager, whatever they did, they did. The Bible says David served God in his own generation and fell on sleep. And that's what we do. We serve God in our own generation. When we're gone, somebody else will pick it up. And God will have another man, another people to take care of. And, but we do the best we can while we have what we uh, do in life and health and strength. So he says, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud. Our prayer is sincere. It's to God. And it's a lot of times Jesus said, When thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth thee in secret shall reward thee openly. In verse 18, He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. He's delivered my soul. Look at that. So it was a prayer of faith. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many, there were went many with me. David knew that God had delivered him, and he was made to realize that he was not alone. And by the way, we're not alone either. 
I want you to read Second. I mean, Second Chronicles chapter three. Listen, or no, Second Chronicles chapter thirty-two. Listen to this. This king uh, of Israel, Hezekiah, he's praying, encouraging the people, and he says, "Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed, for the king of Assyria, for they were scared to death." And he says, "Nor for all the multitude that is with him." The king of Assyria had a great multitude with him. For there be more with us than with him. It's kind of unusual. All the host that's with him, the multitude that's with him. And Hezekiah says there be more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. See, God with Israel was more than all the armies of the Assyrians. God with you is more than the multitude or the greater numbers. You're the majority when you have God on your side. There be more with us, he says, than with them. With him, with him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Boy, they trusted in that. They said, well, Hezekiah said this. They said, the king said that God's with us. What more can you want? And by the way, if God is with us, who can be against us? The Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Listen, I've had this text proven to me time and time again in 36 years in this church and even before. It'll be proven that God is with us. All right, I want you to look at the next verse. You have Psalm 55 now, quickly. We'll try to finish this one. It says uh, in verse uh, 19, God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old, Selah. Because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. They did not, David knew they had not changed their heart. They were doomed because they would not change or fear God. The wicked, through pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. That's Psalm uh, 10 verse 4. God is not in all their thoughts. And he says, because they will not hear God, because they will not change, therefore they fear not God. Verse 20 says, He hath put forth his hands against such as be at peace with him. He hath broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than all, yet they were drawn, yet were they drawn swords. Can you imagine that? Smooth words and evil deeds make the worst kind of an enemy. Remember, Paul speaks of those in Second, uh, I believe, Second Thessalonians chapter eleven. He says, "For such are deceitful workers," and he says that they are apostles, making themselves apostles of Christ. And he says, "No marvel, for Satan himself made himself an angel of light." Let me read that for you. More than one verse. Maybe it's best we read off. Uh, Paul said in Second Corinthians eleven verse thirteen, "For such are false apostles, deceitful workers." transforming themselves into apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. See, the devil transformed himself, and he says, therefore it's no great thing if his ministers transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. Jesus said... By their fruits ye shall know them, didn't he? Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? He says, even every tree that brings not forth good fruit is hewn down. He says, a thorn bush cannot bear figs. 
grapes of thorns or grapes or figs from thistles thistle bush can bring figs and he says they come unto you in sheep's clothing wolves in sheep's clothing and when you have ministers that fleece the flock as many do I like to have people that have enough money after the service to go to McDonald's and buy them a hamburger if they want see I didn't take up an offering tonight did I because I think that when people give their tithes and offerings God will bless them and I believe he'll bless the church that lets them keep a little bit of their money instead of trying to take it all from them some people look at it different I've seen Baptist churches they wouldn't open the door unless they took your money in fact they wouldn't let you out unless you gave some some of them won't let you in unless you give some we're not that way here We'd like to run Randy ragged for about a month or two when he first came here. We'd time to take the offering, time to take the offering. No, Randy. Not. But he'd come out of a church, that's all he did. He took the offering. One thing you didn't forget there was take the offering, wasn't it, Randy? But we don't worry about that. God's going to supply our needs and he'll, according to his riches and glory. <clears throat> smooth words. It says, The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than all, yet... Were they drawn swords? Now let me give you this and we'll close. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. That's the first verse that my little son learned. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. And, and, and Peter says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So we need to learn to cast our burden upon the Lord. And then the last verse says, But thou, O God, shall bring them down into the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. Shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in thee. give you one reference in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, and verse 17 says, Be not overmuch wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why shouldest thou die before thy time? It says these wicked men shall not live out half their days. And we find that to be true in many instances. Well, we thank you for your patience and your kind attention. If you want a memory verse, take that 22nd verse. Cast uh, thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Psalm 55, 